Chapter 30 of History of the Norwegian People, Volume 1, by Knut Gershet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 30 The Battle of Brunnenberg. Here King Ethelstan, Lord of Earls, warrior's ring-giver and also his brother, lifelong glory gained in battle with the edge of the sword by Brunnenberg. They split the shield wall, they hewed the war shields with hammered swords, the sons of Edward. Such was their noble nature from their ancestors, that they in battle oft gainst every foe the land defended, hordes and homes. The foe they crushed, the Scots fell and the army of seamen marked for death. The field grew slippery with the warrior's blood from the time that the sun rose at morning tide, that the glorious star glided over the world, God's bright candle, the eternal lords, and until the noble luminary sank to its setting. There lay many a man hurt with the sword, northern warriors shot over the shields, and also Scotchmen weary of warfare. The West Saxons throughout the day in chosen bands pursued eagerly the hated enemy, hewed from behind the fugitives from battle with sharpened swords. The Mercians refused not the hard-hand play with any hero who with Unlafa, Olaf, over the billowy ocean, on the ship's bosom sought this land to meet their death. Five kings lay dead upon the battlefield, put to sleep with swords, and also seven of Anlafa's earls, and countless numbers of Scotch and seamen. Put to flight was the chief of the Norman, forced by necessity to seek the ship's prow with a small band. The ship drove afloat. The king departed on the dark sea. He saved his life. The Northmen departed on their nailed barks, bloody leavings of the spears, Dublin to seek, and afterward Ireland, much ashamed. In the Battle of Brunnenberg, the power of the kingdom of York was broken. Athelstan died in 940, and was succeeded by his half-brother Edmund, who had taken a prominent part in the great battle. The Vikings rose again in rebellion, and chose Olaf Gudridson of Dublin, king of York. Edmund consented to recognize him as king, but he had to receive baptism and do homage to Edmund. His reign was short as he attacked Bernicia, where he met his death in 942. The same year Edmund subdued the five boroughs, and annexed them to the English kingdom. During the period 890 to 920, the Norse Vikings had settled Cumberland, which appears to have been a sort of vassal state under the kings of Dublin and York. It seems that Edmund attacked Cumberland in 944, drove away Olaf Kvaran, who ruled there, and turned this state over to King Malcolm III of Scotland. The growing weakness of the Viking colonies, which led to the fall of the Kingdom of York, manifested itself also in Ireland. King Blocker had succeeded his brother Olaf Gudridson on the throne, but he was driven from Dublin by the Irish king Congelach. The houses of the Norsemen were plundered, their property destroyed, and many women and children were carried into slavery. When Blocker attempted to recapture the city, he fell, together with a number of his men. After his defeat at Brunnenberg, Olaf Kvartan led a roving life, spending some time in Scotland and Cumberland, but he seemed to have returned to Northumbria, and to have ruled there as king of York from 949 till 952. This can be seen from a number of coins bearing the inscription Anlaf Kunich M, Anlaf Kunich, Anlaf Rex, etc. His successor as king of Northumbria was Eric, no doubt Eric Bloodaxe, son of King Harald Horfagra. Olaf Kvaran must have been driven away again from Northumbria. In 952 he seized Dublin, where he married an Irish princess, and joined the Irish church. He extended his sway over a great part of Ireland, and ruled till 980, when he was defeated in the Battle of Tara by King Malsachnal of Tara in Meath. 
Old and gray-haired, he departed from Ireland on a pilgrimage to Iona, where he died as monk in 981. Olaf Kvaran is, in many ways, a typical representative of the Viking character of that period. These Viking kings did not persecute the Christians, but sought to gain the influence and goodwill of the church. In religious matters they were generally indifferent, as they had long since ceased to believe in the old gods, without having acquired the Christian faith and spirit. Christianity had, however, exercised a great influence upon them. It had softened their hearts and tempered their fierce spirit. The preparation for their final conversion to the Christian faith had been made, and during the last half of the 10th century most of the colonists seemed to have joined the Christian church. End of chapter 30